Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. We're looking at there has to be more to life. We're looking at what that means and how that operates. And um, we ask some questions is like, where are you in life? And are you happy with it? Are you happy with where you are? Or are you expecting a little more? Are you, are you wanting to be somewhere else, to have more or to be accomplished? Are you maybe thinking that when you finish this degree or change this job or get this house or pay off this car, that then you will be happy? And then you will be free. And then you will be living light. And um, the problem is that will not be true. Amen? <laughs> Unfortunately. We need to be content with what we have. That's what Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says. But because what we have is the Spirit of God. What we have is the presence of Jesus. Like um, nothing more will satisfy you. Amen? The world is lying. Did you realize? They tell you, if you buy this, you'll be happy. If you do this, you'll be happy. If you eat this, you'll be happy. If you go on this holiday, you'll be happy. And guess what? We'll give you a credit card to help you make you happy. Amen? And then they just, uh, they just lock you in. They got you for life. Amen? The word says, owe no man anything except that you love them. So if you owe anyone something, let's pay it off. Amen? Let's get free. Like, I know life happens and life is tough and things, things go around. But um, it's for freedom's sake that Jesus came to make us free. So that's really, uh, not in my notes, but that's good. <laughs> and if you're in trouble like that, let us help you. Let us pray with you. We can't pay off your credit card, I'm sure. Um, the ministry is not, unfortunately, in that position. But there might be wisdom uh, that we can have. And as we pray together, the Word says, if you, see, if you need wisdom, ask for it. And, uh, and speak about it. And uh, speak to Jesus about it. Because there might just be a way that you didn't realize. And someone comes and, and says, hey, have you thought of this? Or are you willing to do that or change this? And then you can live in more freedom. You know why? Because we have only one heart. We have only one heart. Did you realize that? I remember when I resigned from ShopRite, I told my manager, I said, listen, if I had two lives, maybe I could consider giving you one. But I only have one. So I need to go work for Jesus. Amen? I need to live this life. I need to, to find, uh, not just find my calling, but follow it. I need to live according to my purpose and my mandate. And one of the things that I said yesterday that stuck with me is if we have a purpose and we know what that is, if we have a mandate from God and we know what that is, the question then is, where is my focus? So we know the purpose and the mandate is to go into all the world and share the gospel, to experience the love of God so that it overflows into the lives of others. But is my focus then aligned with that? And I think that's something to, to ask ourselves this, this morning. And then... Also, just shared a little bit about um, our habits, and our habits really help us to to be fruitful. And um, I mean, habits is quite a topic these days. There's uh, atomic habits, and there's more habits and books, and it's good things, um, which we can even use on a spiritual sense. If you have a habit of reading the Word, it's a good habit. I mean, if you have a habit of praying. That's a good habit to have. If you have a habit of coming to church, that's a really good habit. Not that we need you so much, we do. Because how would we have fun without uh, Sean taking the mic and sharing? Amen? Or, like, that's what church is. Church is not just a message. Like, uh, that's ministry school. <laughs> there we go deep. But this is to, to be real. Amen? Um, someone told me once, you can call your church real people. 
I'm like, yeah, that's a good name, but we're Grace Life already. But Grace Life is full of real people. What is the habits that we have? Because habits really are like guardrails, uh, like in tenpin bowling. When you don't want to go off into the ditches of life, you want to at least uh, score some points. And if you know if you're going to be in life group, there's some, I'm hearing more and more fun things happening at life groups. I'm jealous that I cannot be in all the life groups. Amen? Then they're having meals here and they're going to concerts there and they're um, meeting in coffee shops and roasteries. And I mean, there's a lot happening. So it's really doing life together in a very fun way. So you don't get a strike on every turn, but at least you know you'll be hitting something spiritual if your habits um, is, is, is in that way. Amen? So we're talking about more to life. And really, if you think about what is the source of life? The source of your natural life is really your heart. If your heart stops beating, then you're dead. I mean, what means that, that, that life has departed? And if we look at the word, the heart really is a complex um, topic even to study because the heart has different meanings and different ways. And I want to just study the heart a little bit this morning. Anyone with me? Let's be spiritual cardiologists, can we? And, um, and we're going to study some verses around the heart. And um, I remember at the David Youngren conference that we recently had, there was a question about um, awakening to your true self and then aligning that with being born again. And really the question came up from Ezekiel 36 even, where God said, I'll give you a new heart. Now, the message was basically renew your mind. Because you need to renew your mind according to who you now are. Or your new source of life. But the heart also in some of the verses refers to almost the mind, the inner man, the, 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 the seat of thought, if you will, in the Greek uh, philosophical way. So let's start with Ezekiel 36, that we've mentioned it already, from verse 25. I'm going to read a few different translations this morning, starting with the New Living Translation. And it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Okay, so I think it was a week or two ago we spoke about turning from idols. And it was an interesting message, but it was uh, well received. And um, it helps us to keep our focus right. Amen? Because we get so distracted by life. We get so distracted by things and by entertainment and so many other things. But now he says, we will, it will wash your filth away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender and responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. That's the New Living Translation. So it speaks about a new heart. Anyone see that? It speaks about taking out a stony heart and giving you a new heart of flesh, a responsive heart. And even before the worship, we spoke about that a little bit from Ezekiel 11. So Ezekiel 36 is one of the more well-known verses, but Ezekiel 11 then from verse 19 says, And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender and responsive heart. Now I want to ask you this morning, do you have a single heart? You have one heart, but what's its focus? I'm not asking do you have one heart. I'm asking you, do you have a single heart? You know, the word then speaks about a double-minded man. And we can link it, like I said, the, the heart, the inner man is often reflected as the seat of thought or the way that you think and process things, the way you make decisions, if you will. Now, the word says that if we have a double-minded man, he will be unstable, not just in some of his ways, but in 
all his ways. And that's really a, a big statement and it's a big truth from the word because we, if I say, if I started the other way around, I said, who wants to be unstable? <laughs> Sam says, no, she doesn't want to be unstable. And then I, neither do I. You, you don't want to be unstable, okay? So we have the answer. How do we then become stable? We need to have a single heart or a single mind. And what does that mean? It means we can't be double-minded. We can't be one food in the world, one food in the kingdom. And I'm not talking about born-again spiritual birth realities here. I'm talking about mindset this morning. When you're born again, you get a new heart. You get a new source of life, if you will. But now you need to renew your thinking towards that. You need to now start living according to the spirit man. Because you didn't have a spirit, or your spirit was dead. And now you have a born-again not just again in the flesh, but again from God, like it's fixed beautifully. And then, and, and then and now we're born from above. We're born of the Spirit. We're born of God. But guess what? Your body needs to realize that. Your mindset needs to be renewed according to your new source of life. You used to have a stony heart, so you lived according to that. You protected yourself because you lived in this world. Dog eat dog. Amen? Now you get born from above, born of love. But now your body still wants to react in the way that it used to because of habit. But now you need to, you, know, you need to, you need to, yes, but you get to. You get to change your thinking. You get to change your thinking. Hey, in the Old Testament it says when someone slaps you on the face, you slap them back. <laughs> and then Jesus' disciples are like, oh, we know the Old Testament, Lord. You just slap them back. He said, no, you turn your cheek. If someone asks you, in that case, the Romans ask you to, to carry something for them. I think the rule was, say, you carry it one mile. It says, carry it two. But my body is tired, Lord, and it's unfair, and it's not just. And You see, as Christians, we have a sense of justice, which is good, but it's not always according to love. You can be right and not be loving. And what is the greatest command? Not that you live justified or that you are right. No, that you love. You see, I think we're still eating from the wrong tree often. We want to live on what is right. But we're not called to be right. We're called to bring light. We're called to live of the tree of life. Not of the tree of knowledge of what is good and what is evil. Look at movies. I mean, all the movies basically has a good guy and a bad guy. That's the wrong tree. That's the humanistic mindset. But we're not supposed to live like that, but we used to. That's the problem. Now we need to renew our minds, our hearts, and now live according to the new tree. And what I'm doing, what I'm bringing, what I'm saying, is it bringing life? Is it helping people being translated from darkness into light? Not from sinning into not sinning. Ooh, that's a thought. You see, because if we do that, then we live according to the stony heart. That is the Ten Commandments. What is right and what is wrong. Do you know that the Ten Commandments was never God's, never God's idea? You know that having a king over Israel was never God's idea? You know that having a sacrificial system was never God's idea? Oh, now you're getting on dangerous ground, Peter. No, Moses had a father-in-law, Jethro, priest of Midian. What did Jethro, priest of Midian, do? 
he sacrificed to idols. So there was an influence there. And now they say, Lord, we want to come to you. They come to the mountain. Moses went up the mountain. Why? The Israelites didn't want to go with. They said, no, Moses, you go. You speak to God. God says, I want to be reconciled to all of you. I want to speak to all of you. I want to have a relationship with all of you. No, 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 no. Why? Because just like Adam, they were naked. They said, we cannot stand in the presence of God. Now Moses comes down the mountain, face shining as a light. He doesn't feel naked. Now something happens. Peter goes up with Jesus on the mountain. And then there's two other guys. Where's the mountain? Is the mountain in the promised land? Yes, it is. Who was on the mountain? Moses and Elijah. So don't think God is so cruel and that he never got Moses into the promised land. He did. Just after his death. But now there's a problem. Because Peter wants to worship Moses, Elijah and Jesus all on the same level. I, I saw, Bernard, I don't know about you, I, I saw wonder what God wanted to do there. Which he couldn't. Why? Because God is limited by man. That's another big, big statement. Why? Because God brings Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And now Peter messes it up. Anyone with me? What happens next? Only Jesus is there. So God has to withdraw Moses and Elijah, or hide them, if you will, in a spiritual sense. And then he says, this is my son, hear him. Now later on we read in Hebrews, and it says, in the, in the previous times, and previous days, this is becoming a good habit now for me and Jordan. In the previous times, previous days, previous ages, God spoke to us through your fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he's speaking to you through his son. So in the prophets, it was in shadows and types and stories. Even Jesus comes and before the Spirit is poured out, he preaches in stories. He preaches parables. Why? Because people cannot understand the spiritual realities. John 16, he says it to us. He says, there's many more things I want to tell you. But you cannot bear them now. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has not been being poured out. So we have to be so careful when we read the Old Testament. Because we can come to very wrong conclusions of who God is. If we don't come to it from what did Jesus say? Who is Jesus and how does he reflect who the Father is? Now, do we have responsive, tender hearts? Now listen to Jeremiah 24, verse 7. And it says, I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. Wow, I want a heart like that. Amen? A heart that recognizes the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God. For they will return to me, the New Living Translation says, wholeheartedly. You see, we're being spiritual cardiologists this morning. Are you wholeheartedly with God? With their whole heart? Are you wholeheartedly serving God? They who search for me with all their heart. Now that's impossible, isn't it? It's impossible to the stony heart. But if you get born again and you get a responsive heart, you get a heart of flesh, a spiritual heart, a spiritual source of life, if you will, now it's easy because now all of what your heart is, is what God put there. So you need to get born again before you can apply the principles of the kingdom. The first step to being more fruitful in life is to get born again. 
You can have the best fitness regime, the greatest diet. You can get to have all the habits that will make you successful. If you're not born again, you're not going to be successful. Not in the true sense. Not with singleness of heart. You'll be unstable in all your ways. And we can see it. People have very successful businesses, but then they have terrible marriages. Or temper tantrums. Or struggle with depression. Or fear. Or anxiety. I want to be stable in all my ways. I don't know about you. Not just in some areas. Not just on a Sunday morning. I want to be stable on a Wednesday. I don't even need to be stable like Etienne. When something terrible happens. And that for me was just such a, a, a testimony of what we preach. And, and what we believe. Because guess what? Jesus never said, no trouble is going to come your way. He said, in this world you will have tribulation. Ah, oh, Jesus, why? Because he did not come to change all your troubles. He came to give you life. He came to pour out his life to love on you. Jeremiah 32, 39 says, And I will give them one heart and one purpose. Wow. What is your purpose? One way. One purpose. Things like that bother me a lot. So I'm sure it bothered some of you as well. One way, one purpose, says the New Living Translation. One heart, one way. What is your purpose? Who's find their purpose? Who's still looking for their purpose? Now some of you are just like, my hand's up in the spirit. <laughs> if you're finding your purpose, awesome. If you're looking for your purpose, awesome as well, because I'll help you find it. You have one purpose. It's the purpose of God. It is to go into all the world and multiply. It's to be fruitful. It's what he told Adam. It's what he told Noah. It's what he told Abraham. And it's what Jesus told his disciples. Go into all the world and be fruitful and multiply. Make spiritual children. Does shepherds make sheep? Biology. Shepherds don't make sheep. Who makes sheep? Sheep make sheep. Okay. Does Jesus make Christians? No, it's your responsibility. It's our privilege. He said, you go into all the world. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now you go. Thank you, Jesus, for passing me the hot potato there. No, it's an invitation to a life of purpose. It's a life of adventure. It's a life of, of going for it. I think we'll get some U, UPSs soon. <laughs> but the power will be on in a moment. Let's look at Romans. We're looking at... We're looking at purpose, we're looking at heart. It says there in Jeremiah, sorry, to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of all their descendants. Let's just think about that for a moment. Why does God want your worship? This, this verse gives us the answer. Why does God want your worship? It's for your good. Not for His benefit. That's, who is God? He's not a power-hungry, throne-sitting king who just wants to be honored like the kings that we read of in the Old Testament and that we see in politics today. He says, it's not for my benefit that you worship me. This verse really got me thinking. It's not for God's benefit that we worship Him. It's for our benefit. It's for our benefit that we worship God. And when we worship God, it's even for the benefit of our descendants. Why? Because we have a singleness of heart. 
Now I'll show you the opposite from Romans 1. Because it's to our benefit that we worship God. So what is it that then happens if we don't? What is it that happens if we don't? Did I switch this on or off now? I'm not sure. But you can all read. Amen. Romans 1 verse 20. For the invisible things. There we go. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That's an interesting statement. How can invisible things be clearly seen? Spiritual man. Being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What the writer there, Paul, says is, listen guys, everyone knows there's a God. Like whether they've heard the gospel or not, that's a different story. But they know there is a God. They'll tell you they don't. Because their foolish hearts were darkened. We're going to get there now. It says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, in their thinking, in their thought life, and their foolish heart, that was interesting, was darkened. So God says in Jeremiah that it is good for us to worship Him. It's good for us and for our descendants. Now what is worship? Worship is giving Him glory, honoring Him as God, being thankful. That's all the things we see in Romans. He says, but now they did not worship Him. Okay? So they did not worship God as God. They, did not, they were not thankful towards God. They did not recognize Him as God. And then what happens? They became vain. Vain really is empty. Vain is like... Um, a house of cards, if you will. There's, there's something, but it's no substance. Cannot help myself. Vanity Fair is the what? The festival of nothing. That's the magazine. There you go. Because all of this is going to burn. It's a chasing after wind. Okay? There you have it. And their foolish heart was darkened. Why? Because they did not recognize God as God. Professing themselves to be wise... Okay. Think about academics. Think about the universities around the world. Who is so wise and so full of knowledge and understanding of eternal things and how old the earth is and how things fit together. They profess themselves to be wise, but they became fools. Professoring themselves as wise, they become fools. You see, and it's, it's, it's easy actually to get there. <coughs> it's easy to get there if we don't worship God. If we don't have a single heart. No one wants to be evil. No one gets born evil. I mean, I think even Hitler was a cute baby. Here's a thought. <laughs> I don't know if he... Yeah, maybe he was born with a mustache. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't born evil. He was born unsaved. But somewhere along the line, something happens to people. They get hurt, they come into a tragic area, or they stop worshipping God as God. And then you just follow your own imaginations and your own heart. You become unstable in all your ways. I mean... Jeremiah 29.11 says that, that God wants us to have an expectant end. That means, I want to say, at my funeral, I want a lot of people to get saved. That's an expectant end. I'm expecting birth at my death. Did Hitler have an expected end? 
whether you believe the conspiracies or not, doesn't really matter. He did not have a glorious end to his life. He's not leaving a good legacy, is he? I don't think anyone wants to say, I'm the son of Hitler. But there's so many good things in life, good people, who's probably not as well known, that says, I'm, I'm the son of so-and-so. That was my grandfather. I'm of this lineage. Why? Because they lived a life of purpose. They lived a life of singleness of heart, following after God, worshipping Him. Now, we have, we have to look at something more in Acts. So in Acts 13, they're actually preaching. And now they're preaching, and they're preaching from the Old Testament, which is amazing. And it's Paul preaching. And he says, and afterwards, they desired a king, verse 21. So it wasn't God's idea. The Israelites wanted a king. Why didn't God want to give them a king? Because he was their king. But they did not want an unseen king. They wanted a seen king. How many people give up on God because they don't see the promise? Or they don't see the boat come in? Or they don't see the healing manifest? Or they don't see whatever? And then we create Ishmaels. We create souls. We create things that's not of God. And then God needs to come in and fix the mess. Amen? And He always will. God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when He had removed him, He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom He also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Why? Why will He fulfill the will of God? You see, God's not looking for you to be perfect. God's not looking for you to have the perfect actions and perfect CV and no sin in your life. No, God is looking at your heart. Paul had the perfect, uh, Saul had the perfect CV. He was the biggest, the brightest, the most handsome. He had all the things that the world was looking for. But he failed miserably. Why? He did not have a single heart. He did not follow God's heart. He wasn't after God's heart. He was after the hearts of the people. As a pastor, I'm learning that more and more. I'm not here to please you. Don't expect that. I have one king and it's not you. I have one shepherd and it's not you. If people leave, it's sad. We, we try and keep them. We try and discuss things with them. We said last week, if we have differences, we're willing to agree to disagree. If you didn't listen to last week's message, please get it online. I think it was really profound in the way that it speaks about how to deal with our differences. And um, having a difference is no reason to separate. It really isn't. Because if we're not different, how will we grow? If we don't see things different, how will we ever move on from where we are? But I'm here to present things as I see them, as I study them out, and as I'm convinced of them. And, and I say, not thus save the Lord, I say, this is how I see it. If you go study it out, like last week we said, you have to be convinced in your own mind. You have to have a single heart. I cannot give you a single heart. I have to have a single heart. That's on me. So we looked at this and we say, we desire what God desires. We need to not look to serve people. We serve people, but we don't look for the pleasure and the honor of people. If you live for people's praises, what's going to happen? You're going to die 
from their criticism. If you live by their praises, you're going to die by their criticism. Ask Jesus. He didn't live by their praises, but how fickle can people be? Singing Hosanna on Palm Sunday, which is celebrated around the world today, and then being crucified the next day. You see, that's where people will get you. That's what they, they, they get from you what they want. They wanted a king not for Jesus to be king. No, they wanted a king for them. Same thing that happened with Saul. They didn't want Saul to be rich and famous. No, they wanted to be rich and famous. And they thought the world system, which is a kingdom, would get that to them. And Jesus said, God said, I had a different way. You see, it's not as the world. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Again, like the advocates say, I put it to you. I cannot make you do it. Amen? I need to do it for me and for my household. Amen? That's what Joshua said. So it says, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David, whose heart was after God's heart. Amen? And then he will do his will. So how do you live better? How do you sin less? How do you become more holy? You don't focus on what you do. You focus on your heart. Is my heart after God? Am I seeking first kingdom? And then all these things will be added unto me. Am I seeking first to please the king? Because then, if he is going to love on me, I'm going to have some love to give. Amen? If you're struggling with sin currently, if you're struggling with fear, with stress, with anxiety, I've got good news for you. Amen? Oh, that's not good news if I'm struggling. If you're struggling, you're struggling already. Whether I tell that to you or not, that's irrelevant. But the good news is that John 1, 4 says that perfect love casts out fear. Not more effort. Not better confessions. Not sacraments and rituals. Not your gritted teeth or better habits. Perfect love. All those things can help you focus on God's love. But let's not worship what points to God when we worship God. Amen? Because it's the love of God. The love of the Father that has the power to cast away all fear. Amen? You're afraid that you're going to fall again into that temptation or that addiction. Don't focus on that. Focus on the love of God. Oh God, you love me. Like Sean said, focus on what the blood accomplished. His life poured out for you. Forgiveness of sins. I struggle, but I'm forgiven. And you're not making light of sin. You're just making big of Jesus. Amen? You're putting your focus on the source, not on the problem. Amen? Trust that helps someone. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now, I don't believe we can speak about the heart without going to Mark 4. And like I said previously, is like we can have an amazing service and a great message and the best worship. And if you guys and me, if we don't come with tender hearts, receptive hearts, it's going to be a good experience and it's going to be super unfruitful. So you need to come ready with your heart. Now I'm reading it from the voice translation, just because I don't want us to become over familiar and then shut down. So verse 12 from Mark 4 says... As the prophet Isaiah predicted, so that when they look, they see and yet not understand. When they hear, they listen and yet not, do not comprehend. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Verse 13, do you mean to say that you didn't understand my parable of the sower? Jesus speaking to his disciples. 
He says, this was the key parable. I think King James says, if you don't understand this, you won't understand any other. Why? Oh, that's a big statement Jesus makes. Why? Because if you don't have a tender heart, you're not going to get what I'm saying. So if you don't get your heart right, you can do all the Bible study in the world, all the ministry school in the world, all the YouTube videos in the world, all the worship songs on, on um, Spotify. It's going to do you deadly squat. If your heart isn't good. If your heart isn't soft and responsive. If you don't see what I'm trying to teach here, then how will you be able to understand any of the others? Verse 14. The seed the farmer is sowing is the good news. God's word. Some people are the seed, seed, some people are the seed thrown onto the path, and the tempter snaps up the word before it can even take root. Others are the seed thrown among the rocks. Okay, so the path is hard. It's worn out. It's, it's not soft. It's not tender. It's stony, if you will. The other are the seed thrown among the rocks. Again, among the rocks. There's some tenderness, but there's many rocks. These people hear the word and receive it immediately with joy and enthusiasm. That's the people who come and say, Ah, oh, this is the best church ever. See you next week. And I'm like, see you next week. I've been here long enough to know that I probably won't see you again. I can't tell you how many times that has happened. I get excited when you return. <laughs> now I'm happy to see every guest, but I hope that you return. Because then it know, I know that there's something that happened. That you received something, that there's growth, that there's a tenderness being developed in your heart. Those people hear the word and receive it immediately with joy. But without deep roots. Say deep roots. Deep roots. Doubt, trouble or persecution instantly withers their faith. In this life you will have tribulation. So grow deep roots. Okay. <laughs> that helps us. Still, others are the seeds tossed among weeds and brambles. The word has reached them. But the things of this life, the worries, the drive for more and more, the desire for other things, those things cluster around close and choke the life of God out of them until they cannot produce. So you can come here on a Sunday and you can even receive. But if there's many other things, the drive for more and more, the desire for other things, the worries of this life. I love the word that says the worries of this life. Because it means if we go to the next life, then we leave these worries behind. Amen? There won't be worries where we go. So stop worrying. <laughs> Why worry? Okay. You see that there's still others that brings fruit. But let's look at Hebrews 11:37 just quickly. It says, from the Amplified, they were stoned to death. Okay, speaking about these, these martyrs, the witnesses, the cloud. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. And I always wonder, is it like this or like this? Maybe you're thinking, will I be able to keep my faith? So the good thought, but don't stress about it. Amen? Because the Holy Spirit is there to help you be a witness. <laughs> Acts 1.8 says the Holy Spirit will come and give you power to be a martyr. Amen? King James didn't want to put it there. Because it's unpopular. But go look at the Greek for witness. It's a martyr. What is a martyr? Someone who is willing to be sawn in two. Christian, living in 2023, 
Do you have the power of God to be a martyr? Not just to get a new car. Not just to see a miraculous healing. Yes, that too. But there's got to be more to life. Amen? I'm not professing or prophesying or wanting to die the martyr's death. Not at all. But if there's more to life, then it's really not such a big deal. Because we've got the power of God, amen? Unto salvation. Because we live for more than what this life can offer. There's got to be more than wanting more. Listen to this. I think that's often the easier way to die a martyr's death. Let me tell you a quick story just to lighten the mood a little bit. So when we were in Albania, uh, Shane and them just came from a, a, a conference on how to reach Muslims from Kosovo. And they spoke to this uh, ex-Muslim who was, uh, was a Muslim evangelist. Okay? So the, the highest honor in, in, in Islam is to die in jihad. It's basically to become a terrorist. Okay? The second highest honor is to make converts for Islam. So this guy was uh, in, um, in the school, jihad school, the holy war as they call it. And uh, he went through all the basic training and everything. And then he wasn't picked to die um, what they call a martyr's death and get the 70 virgins and all of that. So he went into depression. And um, he spoke to, to his imam. And he said, like, what's the purpose of life if I can't die for Allah? And he said, maybe Allah wanted you to live for him and not die for him. He said, okay, that's a, a good thought. And he started evangelizing. I think within a few months, he, he, he um, turned, I think, four Christians from Christianity to, um, to Islam. Now, I doubt that they were Christian if they were really saved. I don't see how that really can happen. Um, but it can. Um, and then he said, well, this is so easy. I haven't even read their book. And I'm already converting them like this. Just think if I start reading the Bible, and I find all the flaws, and then I can counter them, how easy it's going to be then. Okay, that was his fatal flaw. He's now a Christian. <laughs> Why? Because we have the words that bring life. We have the words that bring life. It's an adventure to live for Jesus. Amen? There's got to be more to life than what this world has to offer. We all know it, but it just takes you then laying down your life and doing it daily. Amen? Living for more. Because even the Muslims know that has got to be more. The one that's more difficult in Hebrews 11 says they were lured with tempting offers to renounce their faith. So when someone says, I put a gun to your head, renounce Jesus, then it's easy to say no. But it's when it's subtle, when it's deceitful, when it's luring, when it's distracting, that it's maybe not so easy. What I want to say this morning, it's easy to die for Jesus maybe, but it's maybe more difficult to live for him. Because it means you pick up your cross not once, but daily. You mean you follow Him not once, but every day. And this is what it is. We don't need to be lured with tempting offers to renounce their faith. They were put to death by the sword. They were went about wrapped in the skins of sheep and goats. Utterly destitute, oppressed, cruelly treated. Back to Mark 4 verse 20 says, But those last seeds sown into the good soil. Those people hear the word. They accept it. They meditate on it. They act on it and they bear a fruitful crop. Who wants to be fruitful? 
my hand is up. Amen? We want to be fruitful, of course. So what do we do? We need to hear the word. Well done, you're here this morning. Are you hearing the word, though? Are you hearing the word? Are you, are you drenching yourself in it? Are you accepting it? Not my word, the word. Are you making notes and say, I'm not so sure, Peter said God's not in control of everything. I want to go check it out. Go check out Psalm 78. It says, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Okay? Go check it out. Make a note. Go study it for yourself. Ask your life group leader for more information. And we want to help you be convinced in your own mind. Amen? So I need to accept it. I need to meditate on it. And then I need to act on it. What is a tender heart? A tender heart is a responsive heart. A tender heart is a yes Lord heart. When Jesus says go, go. When Jesus says stop, stop. When Jesus says speak to that person. Speak to that person. That's a tender heart. You hear the word. You make sure it's from God. And now you act on it. And that's where faith really stirs up in our lives. You want some good testimonies? The test comes before the money. Amen? There's a test and there's a money and then there's a testimony. That's how it works usually. And we only share the good things that, that worked out. We don't share where we missed God. Because that's, not, that's just a money. <laughs> it's not a testimony. We need to live for this. Amen? We want to be fruitful, so we need to have tender hearts. Accept the word, meditate on it, act on it, bear fruit. Then we can be 30, 60, and 100 full times larger than what the farmer dropped in the ground. Amen? Anyone got some work to do? I know I've got some work to do. I've got a new heart. I've got a new source of life. I've got the Spirit of God in me. That's true. I'm born again. That's not going to change. Amen? But that does not mean I'll be fruitful. That means I go to heaven. In Galatians, it speaks about fallen from graves. And what people misunderstand is they think fallen from graves means you're unsaved. It doesn't mean that. How can a baby be unborn? If you're born of God, you're born of God. But what does it then mean to fall from grace? I believe you fall back into your foolish, darkened mind. And you want to now live for the pleasures of acting so that God would accept you where you're already accepted by God in the Beloved. While you were yet a sinner, God already died in, in the form of Jesus for you. Why now would you want to live different? Or according to a new source? But fallen from grace means I'm no longer operating in the grace of God. I'm focusing on my, myself. I'm no, not having that tender, responsive heart in a mindset. Not in a life source. And that's where we need to split. And that's where I'll end the message. When the word speaks about heart, we need to see, is it speaking about the spirit or the soul? Because I'll give you a new heart means I'll give you a new source of life. And what did Jesus do? He blew over them. I'll give you the spirit. But now you need to renew your mind the soul, the thinking part of you, also, which is the heart, the seat of thought, the, the, the place where we make decisions. So when we study the word, we need to be clear that I'm not speaking about, when is it speaking about getting born again? And when is it speaking about renewing your mind? Because it's two different things. And if we want to be fruitful, we need to do both. How do I renew my mind? I meditate on the promises of God. I get the rocks out. I become responsive. I act on the word. Okay, and then what happens? We can bear fruit. We stay in grace. Means not that we stay saved. No, means that we now operate in grace. So when I share a message, what am I sharing if I'm in grace? 
I'm sharing grace. Okay? If I'm fallen from grace and I share a message, even if it's from the Bible, what am I sharing? I'm not sharing grace. I can share good stories about leadership, I can tell you about creation, but I'm not sharing grace. Which means I'm not sharing gospel. Which means no one is getting saved, which means I'm unfruitful. What do you think the condition of the church globally is in terms of the heart health? It's very easy. You look at the messages that we preach. Is the church globally preaching messages that's getting people saved? I'm not saying preach about finances and at the end say, oh yeah, if you want to Jesus, just pray after me. That's not getting anyone saved. That's getting people to mime after you or mimic what you say to parrot. We need to share the gospel, people. Because the gospel is the only thing that's got the power of God to get people saved. That's why it's so important to stay in grace so that the messages we speak bear fruit. But if we fall from grace, the messages we speak will not bear fruit. Not spiritual fruit, not kingdom fruit. Amen? We can't be Christmas tree Christians where we just buy fruit and we tithe for food and we work for food and we just hang it on and someone wants to bite from our tree and it's, it breaks their teeth. We want to be trees. Psalm 1 says it so beautifully. Those that meditate on the law will be as a tree. What is a tree? It's a life source. It's something that's stable, substance. It's going to be there. Amen? If you go out tomorrow, the tree's going to be there. We said earlier, we want to be stable in our hearts, in our thinking, in our emotions, and what we believe. I found what I'm looking for. I'm now just going deeper. I'm not going out there into the world to look for, for more. I found what my spirit man was yearning for. And now I'm just studying it out deeper and deeper and deeper. Because why? I want to grow my roots deep. The other day we were moving uh, something into our backyard. Um, Paul was helping me. and There's some rose bushes that is in pots. And I thought, just pick up the pot and just move it because we wanted to get a trampoline through and um, what happened is the roots already grown out the pot into the ground. So that was interesting. Do you know what happened? I couldn't move it. You have to be like that. Where you become unmovable. In your faith. In your purpose. In your calling. Even if someone wants to push you over or move you around. You are unmovable. Deeply rooted single-hearted, focused on God and His kingdom. Amen? Amen? Does that help anyone? Let's stand together. As you close your eyes, I just want to read three verses in closing. But meditate on this. It says, 2 Corinthians 3.3 3, Clearly, you are a letter from Christ, showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. People encounter us, they need to encounter the life of God, the grace of God, because we have no longer stony hearts, but we have fleshly, responsive, life-giving hearts. Proverbs 3.3 says, Hold on to your loyal love and don't let go. Be faithful to all that you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. How do you write truth on your heart? 
You hear the word, you accept the word, you meditate on the word, you act on the word. So what does it mean? The word becomes your life source. You default to the word, not to the world. You default to truth, not lie. You default to life, not death. We need to write it on, the, on our heart, on our life source. Where do I get life? Where I'm refreshed, it's in my heart. Then verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you. And He will lead you in every decision you make. And I want to just end off by praying for people who need to make decisions. And that's always, I mean, it's always relevant, but I just feel specifically led this morning by this verse that we need to, to pray for those so that we rely with all our heart. And the word says don't rely on your opinion or the stock market or the, uh, the interest rate or where good opportunities are or what the news says or where politicians are going to be or whatever. But with all your heart, let Him guide you in every decision that you make. So while everyone's eyes are closed, if you're having a decision to make and it's, it's proven difficult, why don't you just raise your hand and I want to just pray for you. I want to just pray for you. I see those hands. There's quite a few, actually. Lord, thank you just for the humble humility of your people as they need to, to make decisions. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that we have a promise here that you will lead us. This is a promise. This is not a maybe. God says He is leading you in your decisions. The problem then is, are you listening? The problem is not whether God is sowing the answer, it's whether you're receiving the answer. The problem is not whether God is speaking because He says in John 10 that He is. The problem is whether we are hearing. You see, the receptiveness, the tenderness of our heart is really going to impact every area because it helps us to hear from God, which is such a life spring of faith. I know the big decisions in my life that I've made to date is when I was so sure that I've heard from God. I was so sure that no one could convince me otherwise. So we need to hear from God. And I think after Easter we'll speak about that a bit more because it's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the traveling prophets or someone on television to hear from God. You will hear a voice, the word says. And now we no longer hear it behind us. Now we hear it inside of us. Amen? So let's give a moment for the Holy Spirit, not just to speak, because He is, but for us to listen. While it's quiet. Don't look for the answer to fall from heaven. If you're born again, the Spirit is inside of you. And Isaiah 12 says, draw from the well of salvation that is on the inside of you. Draw from that well of salvation that is from the inside of you. Father, right now, I just, I just want to... To speak a quietness to the hearts of your children. Lord, there's so much in the world and on media and, and so much happening and WhatsApps and whatever. Father, right now in this moment, we humble ourselves to hear from you. I want to pray, Arnold, the guy next to you there. Put your hand on his shoulder. I want to pray for you, sir. God just highlighted you to me. I don't know what it is, but let's pray for you. Father, thank you for, for the son. Father, thank you that you have a purpose, a plan, and a calling for him. Thank you, Father, that you called him to stand out head and shoulders above his family and his peers. Not as the world gives, Father, but as you give unto him. Peace, knowledge, a purpose, and a calling, Father. Thank you that you called him to be a soldier. 
I just feel God saying, be an armor bearer before you're a soldier. Find somewhere where you can plug in someone to serve and someone to mentor you and you will make great king, kingdom waves in this world. Are you saved? Are you sure? You can tell me afterwards how you're sure. Okay. Anyone else that needs some specific prayer? You don't need to tell me what. Just like, raise your hand. Like I know we're praying for decisions. Anything else? Arnold's got his hand up. Father, thank you for Arnold. And thank you, Father, that you lead him and guide him into all truth. Arnold, I just see a slab of chocolate. I see you've eaten the first two or three blocks and then you've stopped. And you're not expecting more from God. God is wanting to show you more, take you deeper. The goodness of God didn't stop where you stopped. There's more to life. Amen. Thank you, Father, that you help him to, to go for it. All of your goodness. In Jesus' name. Don't get distracted by other things. You're leaving the chocolate behind because you're picking up cold drinks and chips along the way. God says, eat what I gave you. Eat all of it. Amen. Anyone else? Aniki. Thank you, Father, for Aniki. And for Ben, Father, thank you that they together are just an example of endurance and faithfulness, Father. And thank you that you help them, Father, not to... I feel God says, Aniki, give me a clean slate. Like, don't hold on to what you're holding on to. The promises, the verses, everything. Just give God a clean slate. It might be difficult. It's not saying you're not trusting in the faithfulness of God. He says, I've got a new message for you. I've got a new letter that I want to write on your heart. That I want to write for your life. I want to show you something new, something fresh. Not as you think in your opinions or your mind, but as I have for you. Sure. Amen? Does that minister to you? Amen. You need to accept that. You need to write that. Wipe it off. Say, God, you got more. Because we limit God to our understanding. We limit God to previous promises. And God wants to take us further. It happened to Keith and Deborah the other day. They're trusting for something. Herbert said, you need to trust. He didn't know that, but he said, you need to, you need to be traveling. Sometimes we're just trusting to get through month end, but God wants us to travel the world. Amen? We need to let go of our belief and our understanding if we want to experience the fullness of God. Daniel, I'm praying for you as well. Father, thank you for Daniel. Thank you for the purposes on his life, Father. Thank you that he knows the things that you've put inside of him, Father. And where there's noise, and I know there's a distraction, uh, not a distraction so much as a draw in two directions. Father, thank you that you show him the way. You show him the way so clearly, Father. It's never too late to turn directions. It's never too late to pick something new. You know where life is. You know where the source of life is, the well of life is, and you know whether you're drinking from it or not. God says, I'll show you the way. I came to give you life and peace. If we're not experiencing life and peace, it means we're not really doing what God said we should. Amen? No condemnation. It's an invitation. It's not just where you are, Daniel, but it's how you are where you are. God is not asking you to let go of everything, but God is wanting to show you a better way. I think you put a lot of pressure on yourself to you want to make a big step, and that step maybe is too big in the moment, where God says, just give me your heart, and I'll grow that tender heart. It's like a plant that's going to grow and bear fruit. It's not Daniel and... Uh, but, um, 
It's only Daniel and the boy and It's not going to happen overnight. But as you put in place habits and purpose and, and the things that God has in store for you, that tree of life is growing on the inside of you. And nations will pick up the fruit if you choose to water that. Some plant, others water. God gives the increase. For all of us, that's a word. We need to make sure that we receive the planting, that we receive the water, and that we trust God for the increase. Lemoraine, for you, I want to just pray for you. Father, thank you for Lemoraine. God, you know the earnest desires of her heart and the way that she's searching for you with all her heart. I want to say that you need to stop searching for God because God has found you. God is holding you so tightly. Now I'm just waiting for your husband to leave before I pray for you. I'm sorry. Abby, just put your hand on her, won't you? Just give her a hug. Father, thank you that, that she is accepted in the Beloved. She's accepted as she is in this moment right now. I thank you for the work that she does with the children that she ministers to, Father. In the world, it might not be, be a lot, but in the kingdom, you're a general because you're serving children. Don't neglect the day of small beginnings. Amen? Don't neglect the day of small beginnings. Same for you. There's a plant growing that's going to bear much fruit. Miracles that you're waiting for. Wisdom is often how we see miracles manifest in a different way than what we expect. Let God minister to you continuously. Let Him minister to you daily. Sit at His feet. Open your hearts. Cry with God if you need to. Reynard, I'm praying for your wife so you need to get next to her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm praying for them as a couple, Father, right now. Thank you that you love on them. It's no coincidence that you found us. For God knew what you need in the season like that you're in. I see you on the stairway like Jacob dreamed of, and I see you only on the first one or two steps, and you, you're wanting to go higher, and, and I feel God says, Come. Trust me for more. John 1 at the end there speaks about that Jesus is that ladder that connects heaven and earth. And we can go up and down. Amen? We can go up and down. We don't need to be wary that we're going to fall back into the world. We can go into the mountaintops, have time with God, and go into the world and minister the love of God. Amen? We need to go up and down. That's a word for us. We need to spend time at His feet and we need to minister what we received. We need to be filled with His Spirit and full of His love and then go down into the darkness and give some light. Amen? You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca